Okay, if you would please turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. I'll be reading verses 29 and 30. Ephesians 4, 29 to 30. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Father, I need supernatural grace I'm utterly sinful and dependent upon You to use my tongue to talk about the use of the tongue. And so into Your hands I commit this time that You would guide, cause me to unfold and be clear, apply Your holy Word to us as Your children to the glory of our great Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Everybody in here has a tongue. And our tongues are not just connected to our mouths, but every one of our tongues is connected to our hearts. As Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The tongue reveals what's going on in our hearts. But what is even more sobering than that this morning is that our language, the way we talk, the content, the purpose or intentions of our speech affects our communion with God. Or, I might say it this way, our communion with God, or our lack of it, affects our speech. Oh gosh, it would be so nice to come to Jesus and to be saved and have Him just perfect us right now. Instead of waiting for the promise of redemption in the end, of the resurrection. It would be so nice as Christians to live our lives without using our language and our tongues and grieving the Holy God, the Spirit who dwells within us. But take courage. That perfection of your tongue is impossible down here. Know that going in. But what is possible and what is to be happening in a Christian's life, though it's not perfection, it's sanctification. It's development. It's maturity. It's growth. And that's why the Christian life is about the struggle to put off the old man, as Paul has been saying, And one example now of putting off the old man, the former way of life, is verses 29 to 30. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, so that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. There are some sins that are just so much easier to fall prey to for us Christians. And the use of our mouths is clearly one of them. Jesus' little brother... 
James, and sometimes I, I wonder, hmm, is he looking back at his childhood and just feels so horrible? I, I don't know. But this is, this is what James says later in life, in chapter 3 of his letter. We all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able also to bridle, control his whole body. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small little fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body setting on fire the entire course of our life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. And that's what the Apostle Paul is also driving at in our text this morning. How many marriages would be saved? Or just be more enjoyable if the tongue was under control? If we purpose to use our tongue in service of blessing others, think how much more care and depth there would be between brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. So if you're there now in Ephesians 4, let's not just pull this out of context. Let's feel the flow and the context again of what Paul was doing. But the, the way I want to initially do that is I, just, I want to give you my paraphrase reaching back to verse 22 of chapter 4 and bring in this morning's text to it. Here's the core of what Paul is saying. Put off, believer, you're born again, put off your pre-new birth old person. You're old, you're, you're old mean-spirited, lying and stealing and uncaring and angry self that manifests itself in the way you talk to others. Put it off and put on the new self, the born-again inner person who by the Holy Spirit is kind. You have kindness in you by the Spirit. Because you have been created in the likeness of God to pursue holiness in speech. That's Paul's word this morning. If you just look at verse 29, it's simple. Negative, positive. Not this, but instead this. Do not use your words to attack and to hurt, and to tear down others. But, instead, use them to help them, to bless them, to build them up. An unknown poet put it this way, A careless word may kindle strife. A cruel word may wreck a life. A bitter word may hate instill. A brutal word may smite and kill. A gracious word may smooth the way. 
A joyous word may light the day. A timely word may lessen stress. A loving word may heal and bless. And so, by the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul says to us in verse 29, let no, this is how the ESV puts it, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Now here's my translation, just very woodenly. Don't let any rotten word come forth out of your mouth. The New American Standard Bible and the NIV translate it, let no unwholesome word or unwholesome talk come forth. The New King James Version translates it, let no corrupt communication Come forth. Now, so what, what's, what we have here in the original is Paul just very simply says, let no word, it's the word logos, standard word for logos, let, let no logos or word, but he didn't leave it there. He modifies the word logos, that noun, with an adjective, sapros. So let no, what kind of word? A sapros word. Come forth. What is that? Okay. The only other times in the New Testament where that word sapros is used is in Luke and in Matthew, where Jesus says, No good tree bears bad fruit. Sapros fruit. Rotten. Unedible. Stinking fruit. And no bad tree. No, no sapros, probably withered, diseased tree, bears <coughs> good fruit. And it's the same word when he's talking about fish. You throw away the bad fish, keep the good. You throw away the sapros, the rotten, smelly fish. That's the word. And so here's Paul using it figuratively about our speech, saying, let no, no rotten, no smelly, yucky word flow out of your mouth. And so the text as a whole is, no, not this kind of, of rotten communications or speech or talk, but, look at the second part of verse 20, what, what kind? Only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. That's the word of the Lord to us this morning. Now driving it, okay Paul, I want to know what does he have in his mind? I don't want to read into it something that's not in Paul's mind. Let me just say from, from the get-go, vulgarities Obscene talk. Paul's going to, I think, okay, this is what it does when I want to take the Bible seriously. I've never looked at it that close, but I think that's what he's going to be dealing with more directly seven verses down. Here, in this text, it seems to be what Paul's talking about is, is the kind of speech that is just not helpful, but just hurtful. It's not edifying. It's not encouraging. And rather, it's just it's smelly, like a, like a smelly, rotten fish or putrid piece of fruit. You know, it's that kind of speech where you might walk away and later in the day mumble to yourself, well, that was unhelpful. Boy, I wish I, I, wish I never had that verbal exchange with that person today. And so, it's like, hmm, if you're the recipient of it, it's like having eaten a rotten, mushy apple. And Paul says to us, make it your goal that at the end of the day, other people won't go home thinking that about their conversation with you. So it is 
just this rotten, unhelpful, corrupting kind of communication and talk. And so I just want to spend a few minutes. Okay, Paul, what do you mean? What kinds of things might fit in there? So, first, we've all been around and experienced being around gloomy, negative, ungrateful people who talk. And it's, it can be in an office, it can be in your home, it can be at a Thanksgiving dinner, it could be at church. They just, they're just glue, and everything they come out, it's just, it's just, oh, I want to take a bath. It's unhelpful, it's smelly. It stinks. It feels like you were touched or contaminated by some putrefied orange with you know, that gray fuzz already growing on it. That's what it feels like. I, th- I think it's what he's talking. One of the things he's got to be meaning. Don't be that, he says. Don't be that way. In this corrupting talk that is not encouraging at all, he clearly means, in other words, don't let this mean-spirited name-calling Revenge with your tongue. Battling with your tongue toward others. That shouldn't be a part of you. He, he means don't let this intended, this purposeful, hurtful put-downs and belittlings come out of your mouth. Yeah, you may have been sinned against. Yeah, they may have thrown a spear, a word at you. Don't be trading vicious insults. For insults. Now I'm gonna for next six minutes. Okay, I, I love clarity. And you'll debate with me maybe later, and that'd be great. Okay. But I'm trying to get at what he means and, and what he doesn't mean. So you could use the word stupid and you would be in direct violation of what Paul says. You could, you could say, to, you are, and you mean it, and there's this hate in your, you are a stupid idiot. And you mean for them to feel it. Paul says that's what he's talking about. You can also tell another person they're stupid. And it's not at all what Paul's forbidding. That's my opinion. And what I mean is this. We talk about this now in language and communication. We have to be careful here because people are different. People have different love languages. And this is why it gets really tricky. See, some people feel loved. They feel comfortable around close friends when they can banter, when they can be sarcastic, when they can playfully rib each other. Now granted, one of the differences between the sexes, it's just, here's the generalization, more men than women are able to do this. Okay. You know, like if I'm texting Alex and he's coming home from the ship and I say I can't wait to see your ugly face, okay, I can't imagine my wife ever saying that to a girlfriend. I can't believe you did that. You are so stupid. I know. I am, aren't I? It's not the way my wife would do it with a girlfriend. In other words, this stuff is playful. It's welcomed, good-natured teasing. And for many of us, it is a sign of trust, of affection, of depth and of love in a relationship. It's a cultural thing. Or even a subcultural thing. It's great. And then, of course, life gets messy. Because you might think that as a guy, because probably the majority of men can do that with those they're close with. And so you meet someone, you want to get closer, and you do it, and you don't find out until two months later they are so offended. And it happens. And then they let you know. And you get on your knees and you beg forgiveness for the hurt that was caused. But you also be clear. 
I intended no hurt. I am so sorry. I mean, it's how I usually talk with buddies and vice versa, and I love it when people do. Okay, and so now what do you got to do? Now with that person, you need to obey this. You can, that, that's, that's not their love language. So i got, I got to take note of that when I'm around that person because I want to do what Paul says. I want to be as encouraging as I can. And so you try your best to be maybe not so natural around them if it's natural for you to be very playful because you want to care of the person who is in front of you. All right, so here's, look, my point is this. What Paul is talking about in this text is the opposite of verse 29b. Here's what he's driving at. No, 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 but only use such a word as is good for building up. That it fits the occasion of the need so that it may give grace to those who hear. So when he says, let no corrupting word, he means the opposite of that. He means the, the deliberate, the sinful, intended, damaging, degrading, hurting of other persons with your words. That's what he's driving at. He's speaking about sinful, verbal, accosting, attacking of others. Of angry, vengeful intent to humiliate and to hurt. To tear them down. He's not talking about playful banter between friends. Okay? All right. Did you get that, you idiot? Okay, good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> she smiled. If you're listening, that was my daughter. So, okay. An- another rotten, smelly way of talking is, you know, your whole purpose, though we don't have a sword, like one of my sons got for Christmas two weeks ago, but you got a sword of the tongue, and you use it. And you use it to attack your husband or your wife or a church member or colleague. And, and particularly when, because of the anger and the hardness at that time, we, we over-exaggerate. You always do such and such. Not helpful. You never do such and such. See, what Paul's even driving out here, he knows you will be sinned against. Just as much as he knows you're going to sin against others, he's going to get there. That's why forgiveness is always assumed in the Christian life. And so what he's driving at, when you are actually wronged and the person intended harm towards you, he is saying, don't lash out at them. That's his point. Don't throw rotten fruit at them. We've all done it. We've all received it. And we know that it's not a conversation at that point. It's just a sword fight with tongues. And Paul says, don't do it. So, one good policy in differing relationships, I think, is to ask yourself constantly the question, Are my words here, are they aimed at helping and healing? Or are they just to vent my discontentment and frustration? Good question to ask. Proverbs 12.18 counsels us with God's wisdom. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. And so, in the first part of verse 29, Paul tells us, watch your words. Watch your mouth. Be careful with your tongue. Put all that kind of corrupt, sinful speech. Put it away. That's what he says. 
But not just that. See, there's a solution. This is to Christians. This isn't to the whole world here. This is to the church. And the solution is in this context, you are born again. You are a new creation indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So put on the new man of the second part of verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. This fits, really. Building up, this is how it is literally, building up the need. There's a need. And you speak to it. Building, helping the other person so that your words will give grace to the one you're speaking to. In other words, Christianity is not just about stopping bad behavior. It's not just about stopping bad talk. It is about a whole new way of life. That's what Paul's been doing. Do you remember the verse right before verse 28? He didn't just say, stop stealing stuff from other people. He said, go earn your own stuff. But, but he didn't just stop there. In order that, as your needs are met, beyond that now, you have money to give away. That's Christianity. Don't just stop stealing. Don't just stop speaking negatively. But, you can go hide and be a hermit. I'll never break that sin. That's not it. You get out among people and you use it now positively to bless others, to build them up. The solution to that is new birth. Being a new creation in Christ. When that happens, as we sin, yes, that old man creeps up, those old desires, and then we realize because... If we're saved by Christ, we, we got a grasp of the cross, of the gospel, of what I deserved, and what mercy and grace was shown to me. And we realize, ooh, I can't, I can't lash out with them with my vengeful wrath. But it's not just that. It's just, oh, I'm a new creation. The Holy Spirit dwells in me. I need the fruit of the Spirit. I, I need to figure out how to get more of the fruit of the Spirit so that now positively my mouth can be used as a blessing in his or her life. So, how? In practice, how do we grow in that ability? So, here's some suggestions. First one's clearly from the context of Ephesians 4. It's the fruit, right now, I just spoke. He heard it and went through the microphone. I have a voice box. It just came out. Okay, we're speaking. That's the result of something that's deeper constantly in our lives. The heart. And so how? It's simple to say. Hard to do. We must fill our hearts with God's Word, with God's truth, prayerfully before the triune God. That's it. In order to speak such good words of encouragement, we must have those words be a part of our hearts. I want you see what Paul's been saying here. As Jesus says, out of the depths of the heart is where your mouth speaks. So think about the negative stuff. In the works of the flesh that Paul lays out in, in Galatians 5, they include things like this. And as I read them slowly, think about how these are tied to our mouths. The works of the flesh, the old man, the sin nature that is constantly beckoning within every genuine Christian are enmity, hatred for that person, oh. strife, jealousy, 
fits of anger. Rivalries. Dissensions. Divisions. Envy. And Jesus said, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder and adultery and sexual immorality and theft and false witness and slander. So evil speech that Paul's talking about is corrupts up to put aside. It's rooted in an evil heart. And that's why genuine conversion is the foundation of a new way of talking that gives grace. See, when we came to Jesus savingly, we were actually, not just theologically, but by the Holy Spirit, made new. A new creation. Just going to read it again. Start with verse 22 and hear what Paul says here. So Christian, put off the old self, which belongs, listen to him, to your before Christ way of life, to your former manner of life. And it is corrupt through deceitful desires. Put that off. And here's his key. And be renewed, renewing, renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self. The one created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's not just a 12-step program for those who have a problem with their mouth. That's supernatural. That's the work of the Spirit in the Christian walk. I remember during one of our pregnancies, there are a lot. My wife might remember. I don't know if it was in Matthew. I remember... Some years ago, I can still see we were sitting at someone's house in a living room. And she started to pour out her heart about what's wrong with me. That over a period of time, the way I would talk to her just showed a rough, gruff hardness. And it finally took that day as she shared that while she's crying. To wake me up. What? I I literally was... I didn't wake up thinking that way. I was out of touch with whatever was going on. And Jesus made me desperate enough at that time. Not that there haven't been more times throughout the walk. I have to be desperate. To say, "I, I need a miracle. Because the real truth of what was driven home to me by the Lord, was what Paul will go on to say, what he says here, but he will go on to say very clearly in a marriage in chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And I was living in total disobedience to Him in the way, in the manner in which I spoke to my wife. And my only hope was to to renew my mind with that commandment. To feel it. To believe it. And to pray desperately, help me in it. The root of evil speech that flows out of an evil heart, as Paul says, of jealousy and envy and bitterness and hatred and arrogance and I'm hurt, and so I'm, I'm, I'm shut down, and I'm cold. Thus I'm sinfully angry. And it manifests itself in the use 
of the words we choose, the way we choose to say them, to belittle, to cause pain, to tear down, or to just use flat out, in every society has them, vulgar, harsh language. Paul is saying, Christian, if you're born again, all of that, that you, you know how to experience as a Christian, you know how to feel it, all of that has been dealt the death blow through new birth by the grace of God. The renewing of the spirit of our minds is rule number one to change. It is the gasoline that we constantly need throughout life in order to have grace come through our mouth and bless others. And another way of, of, of encouraging, it means as believers, your friend, your spouse, child, fellow church member, sins, or does something just stupid, this is one thing I think Paul's driving at. Don't get on your high horse and speak to them condescendingly as if that isn't a reflection of you. Or that you tomorrow could pull off that same stupid thing. Or that you have forgotten all of your sins and the stupid, even if they're not sinful, stupid things you have done. But actually use your sin. Use the stupid things you have I know. Come alongside them. Not to say it's okay. Come alongside them and then spur them on to holiness and gospel-mindedness. That's what he means. Use your talk to build them up in that need and give grace. And, and also, I think as we walk, it means consider that in the fruit of the Holy Spirit, as Paul lays them out, one of them is gentleness. Okay, go ahead. How many scenarios can you think of other than, and I don't think Paul's talking about be very gentle in the way you hold an infant. I don't think that's in his mind. So without that, can you think very much of what he might mean that, that is separated from the use of our mouths? Gentle. Gentle. And then, clearly, another way to obey this commandment, being encouraging, is speaking Scripture to others. People talk about the negativity of these Smartphones that Alex just put back in his pocket. But there's a lot of positive. It is amazing how many billions and billions of text with Scripture on it have been sent from one Christian to another. Oh, this passage has so ministered to me and you know that, oh, she's going through that. He's probably dealing with it. I think this is applicable. I had a scripture came to my mind and he ascended. it. That's doing this. And it also means this, and we see it in the text. In our conversation, in our human interaction, be slow to speak and listen very well so that you're actually hearing the other person before you speak. See, that we all know James says that, right? Be slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to anger. Paul puts it this way. Only speak words that are good and aim at edifying, helping the particular need, meaning of the, of the other person. Well, if you haven't really understood their need, you can't do that. I just encourage clarity. Ask them questions to make sure before you speak and give your little two bits of wisdom that you have understood 
the other person's thoughts, their feelings, their needs. Then when you have, what you have to say is going to be more precisely aimed at what they really need. So are you saying this? Then you repeat it. Not in their words, in your own words. And they look at you and say, not at all. Oh, I've had that experience so often. Try to hear. Oh, so do it again. Okay. In other times, you say it in your own words. And they look at you and say, wow, that's exactly it. Okay, now you're on the same page. That person feels blessed that you heard them. And then if you actually have something to add to that, they're going to even be that much more blessed. I mean, we've all been recipients of a person who doesn't listen very well, and then they throw out some pat answer to our very painful, complex problem. And we know that's shallow. It was unhelpful. We don't want to be that way. The great wise one, Almighty God, says in His Word in Proverbs 18.13, If a person gives an answer before... He hears, it is his folly and shame. Be encouraging. Beg God continually work in us to be used as a blessing and not as a curse. Now watch in the text. The whole goal here, there's a purpose clause here in verse 29. And the whole purpose of not this, but speak this way. Why? So that you may bring grace to the person that you're talking to. Not tearing down, not ripping into them, not giving them a piece of your mind so you feel good. But no, speak for the purpose of giving them grace. Give them what they don't deserve. Kindness. Insightfulness. Helpful words. Now, okay, that's verse 29. Why, Paul? Why all of that that we've just heard? Why is it so important? I can think of ten quick reasons. Uh, something like that. I don't know. I'm not going to give them to you. I mean, but it's nice. People get blessed. That's great. It'll help your marriage. That's good. Help your relationship with people. That's great. But there's a deeper reason in this text. And it's verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, that is directly connected to verse 29. But not also, and only that. But everything he said since verse 25 is what he's referring to. Stop lying. Stop cheating people. Stop harboring sinful anger. Don't steal, but instead work in order to give away money. Don't tear people down with your words, but offer grace by the way you speak. Why? Answer, so that you don't grieve the Holy Spirit who sealed you. Now, an inductive Bible study on Monday mornings, then I just sit and ask, What? And we look at it. And sometimes someone will give an I didn't see that. I think you're right. That's the connection. So, what is going on here? I think I see it now. And this is what I think He means. The Holy Spirit is the one who came when you heard the Gospel and grabbed you and raised you from the dead. He put you into the saving arms of Jesus and He secured you for the future second coming when He will raise you from the dead to enter into the 
triune God's eternal joy unendingly as a member of Jesus' bride. What he has in mind is keep that hope before you. Live in it. Swim in it. That deep seated, abiding, future hope that all born-again persons have by the Holy Spirit who now lives inside of you. That's what He's appealing to. Until you think about it. If all the promises of God in the Gospel, in the Holy Scriptures, if they are secured for you by the cross of Christ. And the Holy Spirit is the one that brought you from spiritual darkness to spiritual life, to undeserved, eternal forgiveness, to the day of the Lord when He will return again so that you will have a happiness unimaginable forever as a gift that you did not deserve. If that's true, And then you turn to the other person who was created in God's image. And you rip into them to give them a piece of your mind. You offend the grace of God. And you grieve everything that the Holy Spirit is about. And that He is imparting to you. And as we do that in our sin, our tongue is a manifestation at that moment that we are not hoping in the day of redemption for which He sealed us. Think about it. If the Holy Spirit of God has imparted to you the truth and the security of God's care, Jesus' words in Matthew 6, don't worry about all this stuff. The Father knows you have need of them. And that you know that He has given to you eternal life, as His Apostle John so clearly lets us know. And it's all in Christ, as Paul has been laying out in the first three chapters of Ephesians. If all that is true, and then you walk day by day through your life as an angry, bitter fearful about what tomorrow is going to bring, resentment, and you lash out at other people with it, then God, who is holy, and who by His Spirit dwells in you, is grieved. Because those actions are denying the Gospel. And when we do that, That's how our speech is not a means of grace to the other person. We're not trusting in God's Word and placing our hope in what He has sealed us for. The day of redemption. And our mouths cannot be a means of grace when our hearts are in that state. And so this passage... Okay, we feel that? This is why it's such good news. Have you fled for refuge to the Savior? He says, come unto me. Have you done that? If you have, this text now is a daily call for every believer that we would feel our desperateness to constantly, got to get this, commune, 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 hang out with the Holy Trinity through prayer and His speaking to us through the Scripture, the Bible. Why? in order that our hearts would be filled with words, with promises, with hope, with our own 
eternal security and thus a deep abiding joy. And that's the way to have what we need to bless others with the way we talk. That's our hope of obeying the Holy Spirit and what He tells us here. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, so that it may give grace to those who hear. We all, Father, and it is good that You let us know this in Your Holy Word, and may every soul here know it. And may every believer here feel no condemnation, but only feel now hope for today, hope for tomorrow. For You have begun a good work in us, And you will see it through and complete it unto the day of Christ. Oh, cause us to feel our need. To renew the spirit of our minds. To come broken before you daily with our sin. To swim and appreciate more and more of your mercy of removing Your wrath and of Your grace of working in us that which is pleasing in Your sight. To the glory of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.